Good morning. I'm Pierre Leveillé, President and CEO of Deep South Resources. We're an exploration company listed on TSX Venture in Canada, OTCQB in the U.S. and Frankfurt. And our main activities are the copper exploration in Namibia and Zambia. At the moment, we have a, a legal dispute with the government of Namibia on the uh, copper license that has, is partly resolved. Great. Uh, Pierre, really nice to meet you. Thank you for the introduction. Um, legal dispute partly resolved. Uh, when I read the news, I thought that it was fully resolved and it was um, champagne and uh, everyone was uh, best friends now. But uh, tell us more about the dispute, please. And of course, this is on your Haib copper deposit. But the situation is that the uh, in June 2021, just to do a little recap for the ones who are not aware of the situation... Uh, in June 2021, we were fully uh, invested and, and running full tilt on the on the project with five drills on site, 60 employees, and that you know samples sent to Australia for a metallurgy test. And the Ministry of Mines decided to not renew our exploration license. Uh, we then had to go to the first step is to go to High Court. The first step was to get an injunction over the area to make sure that the ministry cannot issue a license to any other companies. And uh, then we requested from the court a, a review of the decision of the minister. That procedure took uh, from July 2021 to March uh, 10, 2023, where the judge canceled the uh, uh, decision of the minister to not renew the license and but he made it clear that it's not in the mandate of his court to grant a license. So he ordered the minister to reopen the application procedure of 2021 and this time to consider all the facts that were presented by Deep South. Because in his judgment, he made it clear that the uh, um, at the time of the uh, application filed by uh, Deep South and between the, that time and the uh, the uh, refusal to renew the license, the ministry had not taken in consideration the size of the investment we have done on the project, which was 50% higher than what we have proposed originally. They have not considered that we were, you know, f we were fully busy on this on site with employees and drills, that we had iron engineering firms to move forward with some scoping study in preparation for an eventual feasibility study. They have not considered also that COVID-19 lockdown uh, had slowed us down by about six months. And despite that fact, we have been able to invest more money than what we had proposed. So the judge made, made it, this and many other uh, uh, items, he made it clear on which, uh, uh, let's say, facts that uh, the ministry have not take, taken any consideration. Uh, on the side of that, the judge was not able to take in consideration the scandal that was running in, uh, in Namibia, whereby the mining commissioner and the technical advisor of the minister at the time, because they are both, uh, they have been removed from their job, um, had been, have been uh, uh, into, you know, they had, uh, there was a legation against them uh, considering an attempt to hijack the lit a lithium project and... Uh, uh, they have not only attempted, they have hijacked the license, they have issued that to a uh, company called Orange River Mining, which is held by the cousin of the technical previous technical advisor of the minister. Uh, they sold that to Chinese, a Chinese company, and then 
there's allegation that the ex-mining commissioner and the ex-technical advisor of the minister received some money and so on. They are the same people involved in the attempt to hijack our license. Now, uh, Namibia is not a highly corrupted country, but these type of thing can happen like it can happen anywhere in the world. So the, the a couple of, a couple very of bad actors. In Namibia, the rule of law pre prevailed and the judge gave us a positive judgment. It protected our investment in a way. But now we have to go back to that that uh, procedure of a, you know of uh, renewal application. <laughs> so I must say I think it can take about one to two months. I'm not sure. We will talk to the ministry uh, this week. Our lawyers are in contact, and we will have a clearer road path, uh, you know, pretty soon. Obviously, you were in a sense you were suing the ministry of of mines because you you, you presumably couldn't sue the individual. Um, what's your, what's your, what's your relationship now with the Minister of Mines? Uh, not, not the Minister of Mines. The, what, what's your relationship now with the, the institution of the Mines Department, the Ministry? We have still a very good relation with the Ministry, as per se. Uh, the ex-mining commissioner has been removed from his job, so it's a new mining commissioner. We don't know her, but we will have, we, we will have to back. No, I don't know her personally, but some people around us. Namibian people working for us know her well. She has a very good reputation, so uh, we will be able to cope with her without any problem. We we uh, also uh, I met the minister twice uh, in December and February, and he said that he was sorry about what happened. It, it should have never happened. But uh, now we were stuck with a, a legal dispute, so we had to go, you know, to finalize that. So I'm pretty convinced that we will be able to sit down and talk and 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 you know go over that period and, and work together and in and it's it's nothing that is not fixable it's uh you know as i said these type of things can happen in any any part of the world you have greedy people that are corrupted that will do stuff like this it can happen anywhere but the most important point is we're still comfortable with namibia because the rule of law prevails and we have a proof of that correct me if i'm wrong but didn't haven't there been some uh remov removal of um kind of uh, local participation requirements recently you know hasn't, hasn't there been some kind of inter uh, some improvement into the in the international aspect of namibian uh, mining yes there, there's some uh, uh, there's some changes in the mining law the mining act but there's there's not you know everything is still in progress you know it's like uh, like it before the licenses were having to be issued to namibians pers you know persons or entities and then if the foreign company wants to be involved, they have to do a deal with, uh, with Namibian locals. Uh, today, it's different. Uh, a company can come from anywhere in the world and apply for a license. And if you can justify that you, are, you have the technical resource and financial resource or cap cap capabilities to, uh, to do the work, then uh, you're considered for the, uh, you know, to, your application is well considered. So it's... Uh, that's an important change, but uh, there's others. I know that there's other stuff that is in the work, so uh, we will see soon. You know, I'm pretty sure that the minister now is working hard to make sure these type of things just does not happen anymore, and he wants to make sure also that the activities, the expression activities, are improved in and increased in the sense that many licenses that were held by Namibian, Namibians were not having the technical and financial resource to develop uh, were just 
there was no work, there was no development. So uh, he's working to go pipe, you know, pass by, uh, that, you know, yeah, that situation. Good. Thank you. So what now for the for the project? Uh, let's assume that in two months' time, uh, you've got your licenses fully granted back to you. What's what's the what's the plan and what's the uh, the, the next steps for the project itself. But we will resume the work, and uh, as soon as we can, we can start the uh, the uh, sample the um, metallurgical uh, bio leaching test in uh, CSIRO in Australia immediately after we receive the license, uh, because the samples are still there waiting to to be treated, and uh, the the work has, has never started. <laughs> so. It's for us, we're ready. You know, it's like, uh, so within a couple of weeks time, depending on the availability of the, the lab, we can start the uh, bioleach bio testing. Uh, we had also hired Knight Pizold in uh, the engineering firm to do four scoping studies in preparation for an eventual feasibility study. Uh, these studies were, were nearly completed, so we can give the mandate to Knight Pizold to complete these four studies immediately, which are... Uh, water usage, uh, power solutions, um, uh, leach pad assessments, and uh, um, environmental uh, preparation for the uh, preparation for the environmental impact study. So uh, that can be completed quite quick. For the uh, drilling, because we would like to resume drilling, it's very important. It will take probably about two months to mobilize, get our team back on site, to reorganize our equipment, and the and organize the, so two or three months, okay, from the time we have the license, uh, and uh, we will need funding also. So uh, during that period after we get the license, at some point in time, we will raise funds uh, in order to get started on the on the drilling as soon as possible. But other exploration activities, as I said, will be will be moving forward. I've it's, seen uh, that in the in recent months, you've done a number of small financings. You know, it's, with the plan now that you, when, when you get the license back and hopefully you get an improvement in the share price, you do a, a, a bigger, meaningful uh, capital raise to enable you to do, I don't know, 18 months work or two years work. Yep, that, that's the plan. That's the plan. Of course, um, it will depend on the state of the market and our, our market gap. Well, yes. Of course, because you don't want to over dilute. And well, let's talk, just just talk about the the market very briefly. It's you know everybody talks about the the long term copper demand and how much copper we're going to need in the future, uh, but it's not being reflected in the junior market. I I, I wonder what your, your your take is on on how junior copper developers or copper explorers are being valued, or perhaps not just copper, de- uh, you know, just the junior. Um, um, the junior companies. So your your opinion, please. Most of the, in my view, most of the companies are undervalued at the moment. The ones at least that have good sound projects and that are still capable of generating results. Uh, and the main reason for that, in my view, is that the market at the moment is fragile and uh, we are in a, in a period where risk aversion is quite important. So when risk aversion is there, uh, the first companies to suffer about the, uh, you know of that uh, that situation are the small cap, not only the junior mining company, but all the small cap in general. When you look at the index for small cap, you know, the Russell index and the other index in the United States for the small caps, you will realize that they have fell quite sharply compared to the rest of the market. So it gives you an, a very good indication that we are in a real risk aversion period. 
And in my view, it's the best time to invest because <laughs> the, the way to invest is you buy when nobody wants and you sell when everybody's chasing to, to, you know, to, to buy something. So for investors, it, it's, it's uh, for, let's say, experimented or experienced investors, in my view, it's a, it's a very good time to start investing in junior markets because no matter what, uh, I know more about copper, but uh, for a lot of, uh, of commodities, we're, we're starting a, a real bull market. It's, uh, it, it, you know, copper will, will go up, nickel will go up, zinc will go up, uh, lithium, of course, it's a, a, you know, a, a commodity in, in strong demand. And uh, so it will reflect on the stock at some point in time. The risk aversion will lower down at some point, and then you will see a reaction in the junior, junior market. So it's time to get, you know, investors, it's time to get their feet wet. Well, there we go. That, that, that's the... Um... That's the pitch you're going to have to take to the uh, the, the funds and the high net worths when you go to raise your 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 millions to, to take the project through the next stage. So, um, I mean, it's a compelling argument. Now, I just want to jump across back to the project level. In 2000 and I think it was at the end of 2020, you published your PEA. Um, and this is on the back of on the on the basis of 536, I think, is it 536 million tons? Uh, sorry, 457 million tonnes of resource at 0.31% copper. Um, now, after a PEA comes a pre-feasibility study and you're doing the metallurgical test work, and I understand that, you had five rigs drilling. What were they drilling? Were they drilling extensions to that resource base or were they doing infill work? Okay, first of all, it's, it's 850 million tons when you combine the inferred and indicated resource. The inferred is at 0.31 and the, uh, the inferred is at 0.29 and the inferred is, you're right, 450 million ton at 0.31%. Uh, <laughs> it's a pretty large deposit and we are certain we can increase the tonnage. Now, one of the things that has happened in the past, it's it's a porphyry, considered as a classical porphyry, and all the companies that were on site before have considered that, uh, have treated that, that uh, deposit as a, a classical porphyry like we see in the Andes. And the, the difference is that our porphyry is way older. It's 1.8 billion years old, so compared to 100 or 200 million years old in the Andes. There was a lot of geological transformation that made that it's not anymore a classical porphyry. And when you have a classical porphyry in general, the grades are pretty uniform, and companies tend to drill vertical holes all over the place to define the tonnage, and, and they go for, for bulk tonnage, for bulk mining. Uh, and in this case here, we, there, we were seeing some, the grade is pretty low at 0.31%. We were seeing some high-grade patches here and there. Uh, so we decided to focus on these patches, and we realized that there was shear zones and faults that have never been identified or mapped, geologically mapped, uh, that, were, that were controlling or seemed to control the high-grade zone. So, uh, uh, and these structures are in general vertical or subvertical. So what it does, uh, when you drill vertical, you miss quite a lot of this material. So we decided to identify these shears and, uh, these shears and, uh, faults and drill them in incline, incline holes in them. And then we saw immediately a big reaction. Our grade was pumping up 
you know, the uh, was was increasing uh, largely, and uh, we were seeing some extension, like 150 meters at 0.46 percent, including 30 meters at 0.80 percent, and and a lot of that stuff. So we were on our way to increase the grade of the overall deposit probably up to 0.40 to 0.45%, which is a huge increase. The other thing is that no one has ever assayed, apart tech and ourselves, have ever assayed for molybdenum. And the moly content in it, from what we see from the drilling of tech and our drilling, uh, would probably turn out to be about 10% copper equivalent. What I mean, it will increase the copper equivalent by 10%. So it means that at the end of the day, we can end up with an average, you know, an average grade of 0. 0.40 to 0.45% for the overall deposit, which is a serious increase and serious improvement. Then it makes the economic look a lot better, even if they're very good now. So that's what we were doing. We were defining properly these high-grade patches to include that into the overall resources. So we were not testing extensions, but doing this, we have seen some serious extension that we want to drill <laughs> because we think we can expand that seriously. So, um, within the that's envelope, why we'd like to, um, sorry, expand the high grade zone within the known envelope of mineralization or to expand it and expand both the, okay, the expand both. high grade within the, uh, the known envelope and extend outside of the known deposit. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Both of them. It's, it's probably too early for you to have timelines on there, but, um, it, it, is it fair to say that th that drilling is something that would run for the rest of this year and that any PEA would be next year? Sorry, PFS. Yeah, PFS will come probably next year, uh, but we were we were not looking to do a PFS really. We have informed the Minister of Mines many times that we were not to do a PFS, but we were starting immediately a feasibility study. The reason for that is that according to the rule 43101, uh, it's possible to step over the PFS depending on what you have. We have enough data. We have enough uh, uh, metallurgical work has been done by many companies, and we know exactly which technology we will use. So that's the one we will test more and more and more. Uh, so uh, and other factors, a lot of dr drilling data, and uh, so so we're well fitted to go to a feasibility study, but. As our last PEA was near of being a pre-feasibility study, we will probably just do a pre-feasibility study anyway on the way to the feasibility study just to, you know, to, to up, instead of up, updating our PEA, we will go to the next step. So that would take another, another year at least before we have the PFS and the feasibility study could take another two years after we have the PFS. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of cost um, changes in the last two years. I mean, the the whole underlying cost situation has changed enormously. Indeed, so has the um, so has the copper price. I mean, I, I see that in your PEA you're using a long run copper price of two dollars fifty. I mean, um, the 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 cost we use we 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 have a uh, you know we have two dollar fifty, but we go up to four dollars. Okay. Well, I mean, costs and and inputs will change. So. Um, It'll it'll be interesting to see that, to see that. Uh, Pierre, thank you very much. Um, now, in the interim, you've been working in Zambia. Perhaps you could tell me what's what's been happening in Zambia. We have completed a soil sampling program on two licenses uh, out of three in uh, in January. We will start as soon as the the uh, the uh, area is dry enough. We will resume the sampling on the larger 
the southern concession called Mpangwe. Um and we were we were having uh, our, our our assay results were pending because uh, the, the lab was very busy and it took a little bit of time to start the assay. Then after that, there was a QAQC concern. There was some some weird problems with the uh, you know quality control. So we decided to uh, ask for reassaying everything you know on a new basis to uh, uh, to just make sure we go over that quality control uh, situation we were seeing. So we expect some results. I would say start having results within about two weeks. Okay, good. We're a little bit late on that because of that, uh, the lab situation. We're not very happy with that, but the, on the other side, we, uh, you know, it's very important that we have some assays that we count on, that we're, there's no doubt about them. But um, is it fair to say that you, the kind of the, the direction of the company, the strategy of the company will be reverting back to Namibia and Haib? Not completely. Haib is, uh, it will be a, will be still the very most important asset of the company. That's where most of the focus will be. Uh, but we're in Zambia for many reasons. First, we were a one-pony shop in the sense that we had only one project. And when we lost the project, it made our life pretty uh, complex for a while. And so we want to keep other projects going. But the other thing, we are an exploration company specialized in copper, in, in copper project. And we, we view ourselves as elephant hunters. And elephant country is Zambia. That's where you find in Africa the most largest, you know, copper deposit. Right, it's it's the, the the Zambian copper belt with the DRC copper belt. That copper belt is is the most prolific one in the world. So uh, it's the place to be. And we are surrounded by nine very large mines in operation. We're on the right geology. It's a lot more greenfield than what we have in. Uh, in uh, in Namibia, in Namibia, it's, the development is well advanced. It's uh, at advanced stage, but in Zambia, the potential for discovery is very high. So, and it and it needs from us to to you know, it's not like if we were to drill twenty thousand meters or fifty thousand meters in Zambia at this point in time. We're still at the stage of soil sampling, evaluating the the, the, the projects. You know, putting targets, drilling targets together. So for the next year, we can still run both projects and arriving to, an, to a point where we will have to take a decision. Do we spend that off in a new company or do we hire the right people to continue our exploration in Zambia while we focus on the, uh, while the rest of the team focus on, on Namibia? But we still have a year in front of us to, to decide that. The other thing you must keep in mind is that most of the majors are back in Zambia and they want projects and including tech, our, our largest shareholder. So for us, it's a good sign that we have to be there. It, it could be a very good financial leverage for us. Yeah. And uh, th that's the beauty about geological exploration. If you've got a good team, you can, uh, with very little cost expenditure, with very little outlay, you can define targets which have considerable market value. Yep, absolutely. That's the plan. Good. Um, well, yep. um, thank you for the update on Habe and uh, good luck in your exploration in Zambia during the course of this year and uh, good luck with the restart of metallurgical test work and potentially the drilling and um, hopefully we'll, we'll get more updates from you as that progresses. Yeah, thank you. We expect we will have a very good year. It's like uh, with, with what has happened in, in Namibia, with what's happening in Zambia, we were on the, we're, we're on the just on the verge of turning around the corner and uh, have a, a tremendous year. We're pretty excited of what's coming up.